0: Good morning my friends. I usually record these later in today. I'm actually doing something constructive early instead of being a lazy ass. So good morning my friends. Welcome to the Daily Gator Deli. Thought if you're left you just ain't right. Edition number 438. I did 439 yesterday. Sorry I got confused over the two days. Again dealing with too much stuff in my brain sometimes. Uh, with my mom, and, and healthcare issues, and nursing home, and one doctor, two doctor, three doctors. it's it, it, it pulls at you, and those are things that are important, more important than doing this. Even though I know you people live for these podcasts, I know, I understand, and you're welcome, America. Let's get into this, my friends. Let's kick this pig, and let's start off with... How about this? How about we start in Bunkerville? And here's a headline for you. A headline, I was just actually, not the specific headline, but I was just thinking about this the other day. You've got this situation now where migrants are pouring into the country. No one has really explained why they have to come here. Is this uh, asylum? Are there some terrible war in Central America? Why do all these people have to come here right now? And, well, we know why. But you never hear that explained. It's just a given that oh, yes, they, we've got to let them in. We, we, we've got to let them in. Well, they're giving them hotel rooms, and that got me to thinking: if you're if you're going on a business trip, family vacation, uh, and you need a hotel room, uh, if they keep putting migrants in hotel rooms, when the hell are you uh, going to be able to get a hotel room? We have to cancel a vacation, cancel a trip, what? Well, you knew it was going to come to this, though. I figured this out. That eventually the left would start saying, Hey, uh, you got a big house, man. You got like five bedrooms. Yeah, I know you use one as an office. It's still a bedroom officially. Uh, you know, your kids are grown. They're out of the house. So you and your wife have your... but You got four spare bedrooms. We got four uh, migrants here that need somewhere to stay. Guess what you're going to do? Now, you may think, oh my God, of all the hair-brained, idiotic, moronic things this guy could come up with. Oh, I can come up with a lot more. Trust me, I can. But, uh, Mayor Adams of New York City, Mr., uh, Mr. Politically Correct, he thinks, according to Bunkerville, good blog, read them, very good stuff at Bunkerville, uh, Adams thinks New York, he's the mayor of New York City, you know, should house migrants in private residences. Amazing, amazing, isn't it, how I see these things coming? Because I understand, to some degree, the left and their their absolutely evil attitude toward your liberty, your property, your freedom, your rights, your joy of life, whatever let every house be a sanctuary house since the housing of migrants is going so well in hotels in gotham uh, it's a disaster by the way let's add to it and put them in private residences meanwhile biden says you see the border is looking much better looking much better it's good Uh, i don't know if biden's fallen lately so he may have hit his head i don't know could it, Was there a sandbag? Was it not a sandbag? Was it a high-capacity magazine-wielding assault sandbag? It could have been trying to get Biden out of the picture. Uh, and I'm glad the president did not get seriously hurt. Okay. So I, I'm I'm glad for that. But still, seriously, he falls upstairs. He falls over the sandbag. The media says nothing. Now, if Trump walks a little carefully when he was president down an icy ramp when he's got not the, not the shoes of the best traction on, oh, uh, is he sick? Is he dying? My God, is he okay? Should he be president? That's the media for you. Let's get back to this Adams story, though. Mayor Adams has a solution to all of it. Distribute the crime and wealth all over the place. Wealth and crime for everybody. Because equity. New York City Mayor Eric Adams on Monday said regular New Yorkers. I'm sorry, New Yorkers. Yeah, I'm talking to you over there, you freaking meathead. Uh, New Yorkers should house the busloads of legal aliens arriving at the city. Uh, how about a few of, of uh, them in his crib? Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. Put up or shut up. Put your money where your mouth is, Adams. Adam said he wants to house the illegals in private residences. That's your house, ladies. Are you willing to do that? You may not have a damn choice. I mean, you don't believe liberty still exists in New York, do you? It's my vision, Adam said, to take the next step to this faith-based locales, and then move it to private residences. That's your house yes that's your house uh you better get some spare key, keys made you better uh just turn your alarm system off just turn your alarm system off you don't need that uh but get a bunch of spare keys made and uh the condition your house is in when they leave i am betting it probably won't be that great so you might want to start saving some money for, for home repairs. And God forbid you should ever want to sell your home. Again, there are residents, Adam said, who are suffering right now because of economic challenges. They have spare rooms. So he doesn't really care that they're suffering because of liberal Democrat policies and the mayor from hell that New York has. The evil witch herself. No, he doesn't care about that. He's eyeing them saying, hey, we can take advantage of these saps. They got spare rooms. Yeah, their houses will be destroyed when the migrants leave. We don't care. no one cares, but we can get some uh, get some use out of these people. So we'll make them take uh, people they don't know into their own home. What could possibly go wrong, right? We can take that $4.2 billion, 4.3 maybe now, Adam said, that we anticipate we have to spend and we can put it back in the pockets of everyday, everyday houses of worship instead of putting it into the pocket of corporations. Well, we could have a border that's secure, but we're way past that. That horse is out of the barn, has taken the interstate 55 miles north, And taking an exit that no one knows where it goes to. We should be recycling our own dollars, Adams said. How about uh, you stop recycling bullshit, Mayor Adams? Why don't you do that? Adams said City Hall would have to figure out how to get around the, quote, 30-day rule that bars the city from housing homeless people in private residences, although he didn't offer up any specifics. So that's how New York, you know, if, if they force you to take someone into your home that you don't know, you only have to do it for 30 days. So it's only 30 sleepless nights you have. Plus a lot of property damage many times when they're gone. But hey, that's your, that's your price for being an evil American. Mayor Adams, why don't you kiss America's ass? Because that's a terrible idea, frankly. Now let's look at Philadelphia. That's the nickname for Philadelphia. It used to be called the city of brotherly love, then the brotherly shove, then the brotherly I'm going to shoot your ass because the DA here doesn't prosecute gun crimes or violent crimes. Uh, But Dana Pico has a great column at the First Street Journal. It's entitled, Killadelphia, Inquirer columnist Helen Urbina's Begins with the truth, but then has to tell a huge lie to fit the newspaper's requirements. There is at least a slight possibility that Philadelphia Inquirer columnist Helen Urbinas isn't a totally Kool-Aid drinking, woke progressive, as her Monday morning column told a very uncomfortable truth. Here's the headline. After a Philadelphia mother lost her son to gun violence, she blamed one person. Who did she blame? We'll see in a minute. This mother's personal journey is part of the layered, complicated story of gun violence in our beleaguered city. Now, I wish people stopped using the term gun violence. It's stupid. It doesn't help anybody. All it does is further the leftist narrative that guns are, in and of themselves, just bad, evil things. Uh, Arbenas writes, Andrea Robinson is brutally honest about the person responsible for helping lead her son to the streets. That eventually cost him his life. Her. When Robinson's son, Jermaine, was gunned down in April of 2021 at age 29, it was the, the bleak culmination of a life lived on the edge. He got kicked out of school for assaulting a teacher. He stole his grandmother's gun. He lied incessantly. Moments all, uh, Robinson recognizes now, that essentially followed in her footsteps. Uh, this mother who lost her son says, I planted the seeds. Later in the, in the piece, she said, Robinson grew up with her mom and an elder sister in North Philadelphia. She regularly attended school and church. But when she... Here we go. Here comes the slippery slope. And if you mention these, you're a racist. So I guess her penis is a racist now. Robinson grew up with her mom and older sister in Philadelphia. She regularly attended school and church. But... When she got pregnant with Jermaine at 15, she fell away from both and into a life in the streets with the father of her two oldest children. Yup, 15 years old, being reared by a single mother, becomes single, a single underage mother, and a high school dropout herself. What could possibly go wrong? Dana Pico asks. She drove around in Johnny's. That's the term for stolen cars. She wore clothes and jewelry that had been shoplifted. All the while, she told her children, do as I say, not as I do. Her life was a messy tangle of contradictions. In other words, Pico opined, she became a criminal herself. And surprisingly enough, her children followed the example she set. Whoever could have seen that coming, right? His friends insisted uh, her son's nickname, Shooter, referred to his rapping talents. But Robinson said she knows better just as she knows that she must answer for her part in her son's choices one day the media might want to look at the connection between the rap culture the hip-hop culture and violence they might want to look at that but that would be racist of course so they can't do it Miss Robinson is answering for her part in her son's crimes by trying to tell her tale to other, others in North Philly to try to get them to avoid the mistakes she made. <clears throat> and she's answering for her part in her son's crimes uh, by having to live on while he's stone cold graveyard dead. Then came the paragraph for District Attorney Larry Krasner. After the age of 11, the longest Germaine stayed out of, out of the criminal justice system was two years, the two years before his death. But he never served much time for drugs and gun charges. After Jermaine could no longer convince his mother to believe his lies, he exploited a legal system that Robinson said often just slapped him on the wrist. Never punished him. Never any consequences for this kid. Well, there would be consequences later. When his life was cut short at 29. Then all the privilege stops. But we can't say that because that would be racist. That's starkly hum- humorous. Mrs. Robinson, Mr. Robinson was killed in April of 2021, so the two years before his death, were while Mr. Krasner and his social justice brand of prosecution infested the city of brotherly love. But if Mr. Robinson received nothing but slaps on the wrist for his past crimes, those would have been primarily under District Attorney Lynn Abraham Ford. Uh, in office from 91 to 2009, and Seth Williams in office 2010 through middle middle of 2017. Neither Miss Miss Ford 82 nor Mr. Williams, now a convicted felon, will ever be a prosecutor again. But perhaps somehow, some way, Mr. Krasner might be able to get it through his thick skull that cutting Mr. Robinson didn't, in the end, do him any favors. A guy with a street name of Shooter was shot himself, sent to his attorney reward by some other street punk. <clears throat> and that street punk will get his reward one day. And it will continue to cycle and cycle and cycle. And the left will blame guns. They'll blame AR-15s. They'll blame semi pistols. They'll blame, quote, high-capacity magazines. They'll blame the NRA. They'll blame people like me. But they will not blame the criminals. And they will not blame the damn DAs who are too damn sorry to get off their asses to do their damn job. Oh, they collect that paycheck, though. <clears throat> of course, Dana Pico writes, Miss Urbinas had to make sure we didn't draw any politically incorrect conclusions from her story. Ah, here's where the paper, I would believe, said, hey, hey, this is, this, you, you gotta fix this up here. You're making people look like they're responsible for the crimes they commit. You can't do that. That's racist. Uh, Mr. Venus wrote, Whenever I write about gun violence, there are always those who insist on putting the blame on victims or the victims' families. They trot out the myth of black-on-black criminality. It's not a myth, lady. Despite white people committing crimes against other white people at about the same rate that black people do against other black people, the reality is that the vast majority of most crimes are committed by a person of the same race as the as the victim. Well, that wouldn't excuse anybody for committing a crime, of course, in reality. But is it true? Uh, it's probably true some places. True others. Untrue others. Uh, but Mr. Benes, uh, she missed something here. Because as Dana Pico points out, that last paragraph I just read to you, is bovine feces through June 1st in Philadelphia there have been a total of 150 fatal and 600 non-fatal shootings in the city of those 107 of the victims killed were black males 71.3 percent 407 of the wounded but surviving victims 68 percent were black males for white males there were six killed 4% of the total and twenty wounded, three point three three percent of the total. There's not much equality there, is there? According to the Census Bureau, only forty point eight percent of the city's population, that's Philadelphia, are black, while thirty eight point five percent are white. Very similar numbers. You can see if white people committing crimes against each uh, against other white people was at about the same rate. Um, as black people killing black people, basically. Uh, Shouldn't we see the numbers of shootings by race be close to equal? Well, we don't. But that lie keeps getting perpetuated over and over and over. And it does nothing to solve crimes. It does nothing to punish criminals. It does nothing to clean up neighborhoods and streets. Or improve so many people's lives who are victims of this garbage every day. But that's okay because it it meets the standards of the narrative the left has painted. Good piece. Go read it all. Dana Pico. Heck of a guy. Uh, very good writer. <clears throat> now, my friends. Let me see here. Check my time. Uh... I want to wrap up with a great little, uh, what do you call it, a poem or just a story. Great, great piece there. But before we get to that, American thinker Vince Conyer has a uh, really good piece up. It's not reparations being demanded. It's something quite different. He writes, Democrats frequently talk about compensation for slavery and Jim Crow in the forms of reparations for black Americans. Indeed, House member Cory Bush, Queen Ray Spader right there, recently proposed $14 $14 trillion is a good place to start. Where this magic mythical money comes from. And by the way, the more money government spends has nothing to do with inflation. Just ask a leftist, they'll tell you, nothing to do with it. Uh, Then go ask people from Venezuela and other communist countries. See the connection between spending money that's not even backed by anything causes inflation. But back to the story, any reparations plan would be extraordinarily complex. First, if reparations are to be paid, to whom would they be paid? To every one of America's 45 million blacks? Would that include 4.5 million blacks who immigrated after Jim Crow was gone? And, of course, their descendants, their children, their grandchildren. Huh, what would we do there? How would you figure that out? It'd be damn near impossible. Uh should the 33 million black americans aged 50 or below whose lives have all occurred since the voting and civil rights act passed would they get a check or how about black families whose ancestors lived in northern states where slavery was largely outlawed before america was as was a nation and jim crow never existed how about blacks from states like california and idaho that neither had slavery nor jim crow Are those of mixed origins with one black parent? Is one black grandparent sufficient, or would it have to be at least two or four? Do black families who earn two thousand dollars a year still qualify for reparations? How about America's one point five million black millionaires? You see where this leads. What if someone was? uh, What if someone disemigrated here legally, but they're black? They should get reparations. They've never lived in the United States. Nobody in their, their family tree ever stepped foot in the United States. But they've immigrated here. Do they get a check too? You see where this leads, my friends. If reparations are indeed to be paid, the next question is who would pay them? There's a whole other can of worms just got opened up. America has approximately 250 million white people. Damn white people. Would all of them have to pay? Would those include those whose ancestors arrived after the the war between the Civil and Voting Rights Acts acts? passed or whose ancestors arrived after the war between the states, as many Italians and Irish did? What about the 155 million or so white Americans who are 50 or younger who were born after Jim Crow was history? How about who those descendants from one of the 360,000 white northern soldiers who lost their lives fighting to end slavery? Again, I'm not even going to get into it. I'm going to let that pass this time. The north didn't fight for two years over slavery, and a lot of them didn't fight at all over slavery, okay? It's a nice myth, but it's a myth. Conservatives should do better. It's in history books. Just read it. But again, what about those soldiers? The, the net result of the war was the ending of slavery, which was a wonderful thing. So, would their descendants have to pay? I mean, you have to draw lines somewhere. In reality, to make something work, and there's a whole bunch of lines to be drawn here, how would you make it work? You couldn't. It would become a boondoggle of free money giveaways, that would ensure Democrat after Democrat after Democrat got re re-elected, elected, re-elected, elected, re elected, elected, re elected, etc., etc., and so on and so on and so on. Are those whose lives in states that never had slavery or Jim Crow, what about them? Do the whites of Wyoming, where the black population is 0.9%, pay the same as Louisiana, where it's 31%? Once we've nailed down who's going to get reparations and who's going to pay them, then we must figure out how much to pay. For the sake of argument, let's take Cory Bush's $14 trillion proposal. That works out to $311,000 for every black American. Again, for argument's sake, let's say that all 250 million of America's whites would be responsible uh, for funding such an operation. That would require that every single white person. Including babies. Including retirees. Write a check for all about $56,000. Do you know that's more than a lot of people make a year? Yes, even white people. That's unlikely to be feasible given that the average median white household income in the U.S. is a 78000 $78,000. Maybe they can make installments. Yeah, sure they could just pay it back over time or something. So if writing a check is out of the question, maybe whites need to set up a payment plan, sort of like a mortgage spreading to fifty-six thousand dollars out over fifteen years of today's six point seven percent interest rate would make a monthly payment of a four hundred ninety-five dollars per white person. See so easy, isn't it? Until you start thinking about what these people are emoting about. That doesn't seem too unreasonable. What about unemployed whites or those on government assistance? Do they pay? What about white kids too young to work? Do they pay? Or do their obligations accrue until they turn 18 and get their first job? Then, of course, who do they make the checks out to? Do the white people get to choose which black people they pay? Or do they make the payment to a pool distributed by some upstanding organization that represents black people? Like the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the racist NAACP, or Black Lives Matter. You know, they're about broke now. They've about squandered all their money by, well, by stealing it from people who gave it with honestly good intentions. Or the National Action Network. Al Sharpton's group, another group of parasites. Are the payments tax deductible? Maybe we should let the IRS collect the money and have the government distribute it. Would the government need to set up a department of reparations to keep the money separate from the rest of the government's funds? Or maybe the government can pay the whole sum up front and bill the white people over time. Would individual black people have a claim on individual white people's property if the white people didn't or couldn't pay? Would jails become debtors' prisons full of people who can't pay? Assuming all those details get figured out, are new black babies entitled to reparations? If yes, for how long will black babies born in 2075 still be eligible for payments and will white ones still be obliged to pay? Is it in perpetuity or will it last only hundred years? If new black babies are not eligible, how would mom explain to Junior that He doesn't get $311,000. His brother did just because he was born 12 months later. Talk about racism and ageism and babyism. If a black woman is pregnant when the agreement is made, does she collect for only herself or for her baby too? What if she has twins? At the end of the day, reparations are made for some wrong done decades or even centuries ago, but when... But what if the result of that wrong left the wrong person descendants better off than if the wrong hadn't occurred in the first place? Is it possible that reparations aren't really due? Uh, Please go read the rest. There's a lot more here. Good stuff at uh, American Thinker by Vince Coiner. Uh, Good stuff, my friend. Very good stuff. Now, to close out today, my friends. Nice little... uh, Nice little poem, I guess you'd say. Not a poem, but nice little humorous bit of satire that makes a very serious point Uh, from Ace of Spades. And here we go. The Saturday Night Joke is the title of the post. It snowed last night. We received about two inches of snow yesterday. And at 8 a.m. I made a snowman. At 8:10, a feminist passed by and asked me why I didn't make uh, a snow woman. 8:15 a.m., so I made a snow woman. At 8:17, my feminist neighbor complained about the snow woman's voluptuous chest, saying it objectified women everywhere. 8:20, the gay couple living nearby threw a hissy fit and moaned it could have been two snowmen instead. At 8.22, the transgender man, woman, person, I asked why I didn't just make one snow person with detachable parts. At 8.25, the vegans at the end of the lane complained about the carrot nose, as veggies are food and not to be used to decorate snow figures. I was being called a racist because a snow couple is white. that one gets me <clears throat> sorry excuse me i used food coloring to make one of the snow couple a different color and be more racially inclusive then i was accused of using blackface on the snow person the, the middle eastern gent across the street demanded the snow woman be completely covered at eight forty, the police arrived saying someone had been offended At 8.42, the feminist neighbor complained again that the broomstick of the snow woman needed to be removed because it depicted women in a domestic role. At 8.43, the Council on Equality officer arrived and threatened me with eviction. Uh, The TV news crew from ABC showed up. I was asked if I knew the difference between snowmen and snow women. I replied, snowballs and am now a sexist again. I was on the news as a suspected terrorist, racist, homophobe, and sensibility offender bent on stirring up trouble during difficult weather. I was asked if I have any accomplices. My children were taken by social services. Far-left protesters showed up at 929 by everything marched down the street. Uh, Excuse me, far-left protesters offended by everything marched down the street demanding I be arrested. The boss called fired me because of the negative associations with work that had been all over social media. At 10 a.m. I cry into my drink because all I wanted to do was build a snowman. And the moral of the story? There ain't no moral to the story. It is what this world has become because of a bunch of snowflakes. God bless the person who wrote that. Amen, brother. Preach on. I love it. I love it. I love it. My friends, that, believe it or not, is it for me today. Uh, thank you for listening. God bless you. Remember, if you want to become a financial contributor to this blog, or to the Daily Gator blog and the Daily Gator Daily Thought Podcast, you can do so. Go to Spotify, Daily Gator, Daily, good Lord, Daily Gator, Daily Thought Podcast, and uh, you can sign up for, to give a monthly contribution uh, I believe you can do a custom amount. There's some suggested amounts there, too. Uh, but, please, if you want to give, I appreciate it. I do do some effort putting these together. And it is just me. And I try to do it six times a week. I'm, I've been doing that for a while now. So, if you want to show your appreciation, thank you. You can also comment and leave me good tidings at the delegator.net or on the Spotify um, uh, Spotify. Uh, page uh, and again, iHeartRadio has these, uh, uh, Google Podcast has these, I believe Apple Podcast has these, uh, and others as well. So, share them, pass them around. They're always on my Facebook page, they're always on the Twitter, after I and always on the Daily Gator blog. Have a wonderful day. I will talk to y'all on uh, tomorrow which is hump day, Wednesday, the camels rule. God bless y'all. Remember the three golden rules of bogging and of life. If you're left, you just ain't right. God bless America. And yes, go Gators. Y'all be good. Behave, you knuckleheads. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out.